continuing our series on the characters of Christmas, where we're trying to get to know a little bit better the people that are talked about in the nativity story, the story of Christ's birth, and we're drawing lessons from their life, from their decision, uh, and figuring out how does this apply to us. And today, we're going to look at the, the stepfather, the legal father of, of Jesus, Joseph. Now, Joseph in Scripture is a lot like a husband on his wedding day. Like, it's important that he's there, but he doesn't really matter. <laughs> now, I, I've done quite a few weddings. I've done quite a bit of premarital counseling, and this is a truth that I try to go ahead and get into the, the groom's mind at the very beginning of, like, this, this day is not about you, buddy. In fact, this is just the beginning of not about you that you're going to have to learn. <laughs> But on the wedding day, there's a, there's a strong emphasis on the beauty of the bride, of the things that she wants in the wedding. And yes, husbands, your, your opinion should matter a little bit, but at least on that day, we know we, we want that day to be about them. And that's really how a lot of scripture is about Joseph. Like he's there, but we, we don't have any actual quotations recorded in scripture of Joseph speaking. Uh, we have things from Mary, uh, but, but we have very little information about him. But what we have is pretty important. One of the first things you should know about David is that he was of the house and the line of Joseph is that he was of the house and the line of King David. And so he came from a family that like when he talked about his family history, like his, his chest puffed up a little bit. Like my great, 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 great grandfather was king here. And that is my line. That is my people. I am of the king. And, and so he was from a good family. And while I say, you know, he could have been puffed up about that, what we see about him is that he actually was of great character. Godliness mattered to him. And he gave grace when he could have given judgment. And I think there's going to be some valuable lessons that we see in these brief interactions that we have with Joseph in Scripture. If you have your Bible with me, you can turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18, and I'll read through verse 24. And we'll put this on the screen as I read. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to, to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Now, the first area of emphasis that I want you to see in this passage is the way that Joseph gave grace, because we've all experienced the reality that hurting people hurt people, don't they? When someone has offended you, maybe just once in your life, you have talked back to them in a way that you later said, that was not the most graceful way I could have dealt with that situation. You know that when someone does something that steps on your toes, it brings a reaction and an anger out of you that maybe is not typical of the way that you would normally interact with them. 
And Joseph, at the beginning of the, this, this interaction with her, it would have been so easy because of the hurt that he felt, want to just pour all of the wrath out on her. We see this in our culture this way, that when someone breaks up, all of a sudden on social media, their description of the other person questions, why did you ever date that person? Like, you're telling me that they were mentally unsane, that they were abusive, that they never did anything nice, they never said anything nice. Like, why did you spend more than one hour in their presence if they were all of that? But we know to interpret, okay, that she's just upset right now. Because when we get hurt, we have this tendency to not really consider what we want to do. And in fact, sometimes when someone breaks up and they have so many harsh things to say, all the harsh things are true. And, and it's kind of, we say, well, it's hard to fault them because what they did, it, it wasn't necessarily wrong because the things they said were true, but was it graceful? Because this is what I want to first start with as we get into the kind of grace that Joseph showed her. Truth and grace should be connected, but they are different. And it is very possible for you to say something that's true, that for you to walk in truth, but for you to completely miss the importance of grace. And the way that we live, we can't just people who say, you know, I'm gonna do what's true, I'm gonna do what's right, because the fact is God has not done to you what is right all the time, because what would be right is if we were punished for our sins. Oh, but he gives us this incredible forgiveness, this incredible grace that breathes new life into us. And that new life that breathes into us has to move to the people around us. And we can't treat them with the judgment they deserve because we haven't been treated with the judgment we deserve. And so Joseph is in this situation where he finds, like it becomes physically obvious that Mary is with child. And if he's noticing it, then other people are noticing it too. And I want you to just begin to wrap your head around some of the hurt that Joseph would be feeling. Because for her to do this while she's engaged to be married to him, first of all, in the, the time and the culture, once the engagement was set, it was like the legal part of the marriage was done. Like they're legally married, but it's not official. She's not coming home with him. They're not having the party and the celebration, the ceremony yet until all the preparations are made. But legally, they're seen as married. And so anyone who would have seen a pregnant Mary would have been like, oh, Joseph. Joseph, how could you do that? And so Joseph reaches this intersection where it's not just the disappointment, the emotional attachment that he had for Mary. It's like, do you know what this will do to me? And in the time and the culture, what would have been seen as right would be for him to bring her before the people of the temple and say, she committed adultery, she dishonored our vows, I'm so angry that she would do this to us and let her be punished for her sins. Which the punishment for adultery at that time in that culture was death. And that would have been, quote, right. But Joseph wasn't just concerned about what was true, he was concerned about what was loving, what was graceful. He cared for Mary in an authentic way. And so I, I think that this is an important thing. He didn't just jump to an action, but he considered his actions and he came to the decision, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna deal with this quietly. I'm gonna try to save her from disgrace. 
And that act of consideration is so powerful. If you would just stop in so many instances and begin to consider what you are doing, you would save yourself from all kinds of different things because we have to add grace to our reactions and not have truth. I'll I'll compare it to like this. Like, I don't want one of you guys to come to me. I I love to hear your praise reports of how God's working in your life, but I don't want you to come to me and be like, Paul, I have a great report to give to you, something that God did. I went to Publix and I paid for my groceries. Well, great, like that's what's right, like that's, the, that's truth, like you're supposed to do this. But not only did I, I had this interaction when I paid for my groceries, I was in line and this person cut in front of me, I was so angry, and I'm like, okay, so this maybe is something that God's working in. And, and so what I did is I grabbed my pub sub and I was about to hit him across the head with my pub sub. I mean, olives and lettuce and boar's head meat was gonna go flying everywhere because it was gonna be a full swing. And as I did it, I remembered that I was hungry. So I didn't hit him with the pub sub. I grabbed the milk. And then I remembered that I need to do what's right because I'm on probation and because the Bible says so. So put the milk down. And okay, maybe, but once again, like, this is just doing what's right. Like not robbing Publix is just doing what's right. Not attacking your fellow person is just doing what's right. Like that's truth. That, that's walking in righteousness and that's part of it. But bigger, like if someone just barges in front of you in the line at Publix rather than c- contemplating just like how hard can I hit them before I get arrested, like rather than going there in your mind, I want us begin to process grace in our interactions alongside truth and say, what could possibly be happening in someone's life that they would be so blind and inconsiderate to just hop in line like that? Like, is there something significant that's happening in their family? Are they about to lose a job? Like, what are the situations that's going on? And you don't even have to necessarily barge into their life and like, hey, buddy, spill your guts and justify your behavior. You don't need them to be part of the reconciliation process for what you're feeling in your heart when someone offends you. But in these, these heavenly places between you and God, where you have the conversation of, God, I am offended by that. But will you be with them? Will you bless them? I mean, this is what Jesus taught. He taught us to pray for our enemies, to give blessings when someone gives us curses. And if anything could have felt like a curse in Joseph's life, it would be the the life that he dreamed about getting wrecked by his fiancee getting pregnant. And if anything can incur wrath, it's that kind of unfaithfulness. In fact, Jesus said, in what we see in the New Testament, it's the only reason that's listed for divorce. Like this was a real heart issue. And Joseph showed incredible maturity when he didn't just respond with what the law teaches and what is, quote, right, but he went above. He went to a higher bar than just what is right, and he showed grace. And I want to impress upon you as a follower of the teachings of Jesus, as someone who is in a relationship with God, it's not just, I didn't do anything wrong. You're called to something higher than I just didn't do anything wrong. You're called to be a vessel of grace. Filled up with grace that it pours out onto other people who do not deserve it. 
And that story about someone not hitting a pub sub at Publix might have been from my perspective, by the way. (laughs) But I slowed myself down. I considered it. It helps when we slow ourselves down because the, the things that we feel are typically not just the things that we should do, which is at odds with so much of our culture and how to approach life. It's like, I felt like doing this. <laughs> your, your heart isn't the right guide. Scripture is the guide. And so we need to give our heart and our minds time to catch up. And I, I try not to put too many of my things up on the screen, except for when I really need it to be word for word or for you to know that I meant to say it this way. But here, here, here's another truth that we see from this interaction with Joseph. Is, and we'll put this up. When you speak too quickly, you sound too stupidly. <laughs> and I said it that way because I wanted that impression. And I've taught on this concept a couple different times in my life, and I've struggled with this concept most days of my life, but I want to train you on this. When you are in a difficult situation and you respond in a way that as soon as you say it or moments after, you recognize, I messed up, we have a prevalence to just pretend like it didn't happen. And if you're trying to move towards the the direction of your life where you pause and you consider and you give God's spirit time to guide you in your life, this is how you, you don't just get immediately from like, okay, I'm deciding to think about what I say now and so now I'm forever gonna get it right. That's not how it works. This is how you progress on this. When you mess up, you name the fact that you messed up. When you speak too quickly, you own the fact. When you yell at a child or at a loved one or at a coworker, even as the words are finishing coming out of your mouth, you interrupt yourself and you say, I'm sorry I spoke without thinking. I should have calmed myself down first. I'm sorry that I reacted like that. But it's their fault that I reacted like that. No one else is in your head other than you and the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God is in there speaking to you, he's probably to shake you and say, wake up and stop speaking like that. Your words matter from the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks is what Matthew 12.34 says. Like our words matter, they're reflective of our heart. And if your heart is trying to grow and change, allow your words to reflect the fact that you're trying to grow and change as well. Get comfortable saying, I shouldn't have spoke that way. I needed to think about that a little bit more. Because as you've known, and so many people's experiences have have testified to the fact that when you speak too quickly, you sound too stupidly, that that it will come back to haunt you. And one of the the places that I love (laughs) this truth in is if you go to any of the ball fields, any of the basketball courts on a Saturday morning, and you watch youth sports, you will see the epitome of people speaking too quickly. I mean, I don't know what happens on Saturday mornings, but there are some families that must be like betting their house on their child making that basket at their basketball game because they are emotionally tuned in. And I am picking on you sports folks because I'm one of them too. You will hear my voice at a soccer game with my kids, no doubt. But I've tried to gauge this largely because my pastor told this story when he was preaching one time, and I have to share it because it's just, it, it, it cracks me up the lesson that God taught him in this. But he, my, my pastor, um, Pastor Greg, he was a basketball player. He, he played for Valparaiso, I believe is the name of the college. Like he was good. Like he got to play against Larry Bird in college. Like, like he was a good ball player. 
He could dunk. He could shoot from anywhere in the, in, on the court. And so when his kids started playing basketball, you know his heart was dialed in. And he is a good and quiet man. But it was one of those games where his son kept getting fouled with no whistles. The ref kept calling fouls on their team that were not happening in his opinion. And the, the parents were all you know, expressing their disapproval. And then at one of those spots where he decided to just, he just couldn't help it and he spoke up, but it was one of those unfortunate situations where everybody else went quiet right before he talked. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like a mix of things. It's all that was heard was his baritone voice saying, you're terrible at this. And he described it as when he said that, the ref just stopped looked at him and made eye contact, and he saw, they, they saw each other. Ref went back to, to refing the game, it, and that, that was it on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, he steps up into a place almost like I am, ready to deliver sermon, which is difficult enough to remember everything you're trying to remember and impress, you know, what, what you've been praying about and God's been leading. And he's in, in a couple rows back, his eyes lock with his eyes, and he knows. They know where they saw each other at. And Greg is delivering a message, and he's just waiting for one of those dramatic pauses where he hears from the congregation, you're terrible at this. <laughs> The, the lesson of, I should have thought before I spoke, <laughs> it came back to him. And for any of us who get passionate about youth sports and what our kids are into or anything like that, we know that in the moment, like it just feels like the most important thing in the world. I should berate that 14-year-old who's refing my child's game. It just feels so right until we get a day away from it. And we're like, that did not matter at all. And there's so many fights that we allow ourselves to be so destructive in. And we get a day away from it and we recognize the damage that it did to a relationship and we just wish we had considered a little bit. I mean, in the story of Joseph, the fact that when he figured it out, so many people would have just grabbed her by the arm and dragged her into judgment right away. But there was something in his heart and his relationship with God that said it's not just what is right in the eyes of the law, but it's, the, it's grace. It's kindness. I mean, G- Jesus talks about how he desires mercy and not just sacrifice. And in the life of Joseph, Joseph we see this consideration that he gave, but even so, he, he said, okay, I'm not gonna... I'm not going to do what's wrong in the eyes of the law because it would be wrong for me to marry her if that's not my child. Like that's a responsibility she needs to work out with whoever is responsible for this. But I'm going to break it off and I'm going to be kind towards her. And, and this is what, what pausing before you enter into conflict does, I believe. It gives an opportunity for God to speak something that would surprise you. 
Like you will find this as you navigate your life in a way that says, I wanna hear God's voice. I want his leading in my issues. I don't wanna just do what's right in my eyes. I wanna do what's right in his eyes. There are times where you will encounter conflict and you will know it would be right for me to bring anger and judgment at this because I am right. But you give yourself just a little bit of time and you invite God to speak and he will guide you in a way that surprises you. He will guide you in a way that you, you would have said, that's impossible for me to do that, for me to say that, for me to feel that way, for me to treat them that way after they treated me this way. Because Joseph would have t- told you, until the angel spoke, there was no way it was done. It was impossible with Mary now. But then God spoke something because of this pause that was there. So I, 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 wanna, I wanna bring Ephesians chapter five just into the conversation a little bit because the way that we live our life, we have to be careful. If we just move too quickly through things, if we just jump into the situation, the way that we see it going, we will miss the opportunity to be led by God through situations. Ephesians chapter five, if you have your Bibles, you can flip over verses 15 through 17. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants from you. A lot of the translations, like the Berean Bible translation in this passage, when it says, so be careful how you live, that's how it says it in the NLT. The impression there in most other translations will actually say, be careful how you walk. Because it's painting this picture of giving mindfulness to each one of your steps. To not just live in a way that you don't think about what you're doing. And I, I know this is like, this, is, this might be pastor talk for me. But the way that you live each day, you need to give some consideration to it. Like you really do. I, I think that we slide into the mindlessness of the scroll of the social media, of the checking into work, of doing the absolute minimum that's required, finishing the day, getting the fastest food option available so we can just get back to scrolling. And there's so much of our life that is just lived mindlessly. But if you will create space to hear the voice of God in your life, he will speak. If you will create space and just even ask the question of God, how should I handle this? How should I be engaging with this? I mean, Joseph had the benefit of the angel just straight up interrupted it. And I'm gonna tell you, when God has to interrupt your life, like that's emergency mode. We don't get to live in emergency mode all the time. Joseph did not get lots of visitations from angels in his life. This is one miraculous story. For the most part, if you wanna experience the leading of God in your life, you have to create the space to hear from him. He is able to speak, but we have just moved so mindlessly through the days of our life, we don't even open ourselves up to hearing the voice of God. And so we, we need this, this, this recognition that I actually need to stop and analyze, okay, am I living the way that I want to? Am I taking care of my soul the way that I want to? Am I taking care of my body the way that I want to? Am I keeping in contact with the people who matter to me? Am I, am I doing the things that, that actually matter in my life or have I just slipped into the thoughtless mode? And, and Ephesians 5 is when it says, be careful, don't live like fools. We know how fools live and we can see it externally, but it seems much harder to see it in the mirror. 
In verse 15, 16, when it says, make the most of every opportunity of these evil days, man, we think the world has gotten so much worse than it was back then. There was plenty wrong then. The way that we live, it's not the fault of the world. We are responsible for our decisions, and we're responsible for making the most of our situation. Joseph had to figure out, okay, here's the life that I had planned for myself, and here's where I am now. I had a plan that we would have a normal wedding, and we would celebrate with our friends and our families and coworkers and the people that I've done carpentry work for, and that's what the wedding would be like. But now where God has me, when people find out Mary's pregnant, they're not going to come to the wedding celebration. There's going to be people that I work for because of rumors of what happened with Mary and me. They're not going to give me the job or let me into their house. I'm going to have family members who will not let us into their house when we need a place to sleep because they're going to see us as immoral. When the angel told Joseph, what he told him was, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I want you to know, there are a lot of fears that would have gone along in Joseph's head of things that he would have been worried about with marrying her. What is this going to do to my career? What is this going to do to my position in the temple of the people that I've prayed with and that I've ministered with, that, that see me as a righteous man and now they're going to see me as an immoral man? What is this going to do to my dreams? How do you even father the son of God? Like, what does that, how do you get a child in the bath when he sits on top of the water? Like, what do you teach the Son of God? Like, he already knows everything. Does he teach me the whole time he's growing up? Like, what does this look like? All of his perspective would have just been shifting. And the, the emotional sense of, okay, God is saying, don't be afraid about this, but everything that I thought of what my life was gonna look like is changing in front of me. Like there would have been anxiety there and the importance of understanding there was anxiety there is that when you're in an anxious, difficult, angry moment, the teachings of scripture still apply to those moments when we feel all stirred up. And in fact, those are some of the most critical junctions in your life and in your relationships. And band, I'm going to begin to wrap this up if you guys want to start heading out. Joseph, I mean, he got thrown a curveball in life. Maybe you felt like you've got one as well. And then he had this instruction during a dream. He had this word from an angel, which I think when you wake up in the morning, it would have been somewhat easy to be like, I ate something weird last night because that could not possibly be right. It would have been pretty easy to walk that back, I think. But it says, after he received the message, it says, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. I don't want to speed past the importance of a verse like that when Someone is giving an, given an instruction and then they do what they were commanded. Like this is significant, this is important. This is saying what God speaks, I will do, I will put into action. And this is something that we need to see more of in the church. This is something that we need to see more of in your life. 
that when you receive a command from God, you say, I have to put this into action when I wake up in the morning. This is not a word for tomorrow. This is not a word for next week. I begin to put it into practice because this is what happens so often in church world today. Someone will say, I feel like I'm supposed to, supposed to go here or serve here, but I'm just, I'm just waiting on a confirmation from God. And if you have fears about doing what you, you feel like God is telling you to do and you're stalling because you need a confirmation from God, I want to remind you, you have a command from God in Scripture. We have a command to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. We have a command to be love to the city that we live in. We have a command to be the hands and the feet of Christ. And you need no confirmation for following a command. There is no follow-up message to what Scripture has already told you that you should do. And so when you reach the intersection of, I, I know what I should do, I know what Scripture commands me about how to live, and you meet that intersection and there's fear there because there's going to be cost, you have to make a decision of where your faith is. Is my faith that if I walk in God's ways, I will experience His will? Or is your faith of, I need to just, I need to strategize this and I need to go outside of scripture and I need to do it my way and then it'll work out better. We create our own mess over and over again. And it feels like God isn't speaking to us anymore because every time we ask him to speak to us, he just tells us the same thing that we don't want to do. And so this Christmas as we, as we see Joseph and as we read the, the story of Christmas together and we watch Christmas movies that have Joseph in them. I hope that you see that this model of maturity and faith where he didn't just see what was true and right, but he did what was graceful. He did what was considerate. And then he walked it out. And if you have been waiting on confirmations to do what God has called you to do, just lean on his commands. When you face fear, about walking it out, just lean on his commands. And as we have a church who rises up and lives the teachings of scripture, we're gonna get to see God do incredible things in the city and in your family and in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the encouragement that Joseph is to us, the fact that he had this response of, of truth and he thought he had a plan, but when you spoke, he just woke up and he did what you called him to do. And I just even right now, that if it's been a while for someone in here since they've felt your leading or felt like you were speaking to them, would you just remind them of the commands and the callings that you've placed on their heart? And would you give them the strength to overcome the fear that's holding them back? So that we can be a church that operates as the hands and the feet that we can see your kingdom built here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?